now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, hey everybody, welcome, welcome back. back. Thanks, Thanks for, for joining, joining us again, again at, at Tools for the Toolbox. Toolbox. This is episode 17, and as, as per normal, normal, I will let my guest introduce himself again. again. I am super, super excited, excited to have him on here, so let's kick, kick this off. off. Who, are Who are you, and what is your entire background? background? Well, I'm feeling pretty good because you said you were super excited to have me on. Man, I feel important. Oh yeah, love it. Uh, my name is Mark Mankey. I was a Patricia, a dirty Patricia at that <laughs> in the 90s from 90, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from from 91 to 95, uh, one tour, just one. A lot of my buddies have like eight, nine tours. Like, oh my God, that's a lot of war. Yeah, me too. But, uh, Roto 4, Croatia on the uh, Op Harmony side. Mm -hmm. uh, the summer tour of 94. And uh, that was enough. It cooked me. That was it. <laughs> Called it a day. Yeah, that, that, that one cooked me. Uh, we all, you know. We all had a different experience. You, if you have 2,000 people on a tour, you have 2,000 different tours. Absolutely. And um, that's one of the things. Like, people say, well, it wasn't all that active. You know, we didn't see, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of shooting and stuff. Well, that be a bit your tour. <laughs> yeah. Mine was a little different. And uh, yeah, there wasn't a lot of shooting. Well, I mean, there was some shooting, but it wasn't a lot of shooting. But uh, that's not what it has to be to to do damage, not Absolutely. at all. Uh, when undiagnosed for over 20 years, uh, in today's world, any of the brothers would have seen me and gone, whoa. <laughs> would have been, hey, buddy, come on. Yeah. Here, we we, we got to talk. Uh, we're, we're, we're dragging you to the MIR because uh, you're fucked. And um, nowadays that would happen, I hope. Uh, it just didn't. It's, it's, it's hit and miss now. Um, I got a lot of buddies who are still in and some guys with the proper leadership, if you're not feeling it, they will, they'll definitely come and be like, Hey man, I think you should take some time down. Just go see some docs, go talk to some people, but we're not going to take you on X. Other people will say, get your shit on. Let's get the fuck out of here. Right. And there's no rest for the wicked at that point. And so it's really hit and miss depending on the leadership. And unfortunately a lot of the leadership that are, uh, solid are getting pushed aside or good ones get, always are or they're getting uh or they're they're ranking up to the point that they can't really be down with the boys helping anymore so it's it's yeah it's tough but the, um, the bureaucrats that protect the system that get promoted yeah yep. and then the good ones that we like that uh, look after the troops that uh have trouble getting promoted. Well, you know, I, I realized this a little while ago, I was talking to a buddy of mine, he was having some troubles and I told him, you know, the best thing you can do is just start, right? Go talk to somebody. That's it. At the very minimum, that's all you have to do. And, uh, and he, luckily he did, which is great. And he's, he has a, a plan forward, which is awesome. And the, the trick that I, that I kind of realized in my head is that the army's the machine right? The army doesn't care about you as much as you want to think that the army cares about you. It doesn't. You might want to think that the unit loves you and that you're a freaking stand-up guy and that you owe the unit something. You don't. The unit is a machine. The army is a machine. It will keep moving forward. And the moment you get left to the wayside, it'll replace you. But that's because it has to, right? It is not that a, works. right? You can't just be sit there and go, oh my God, why is no one looking after me? It, the unit has to keep rolling. The army has to keep rolling. It's got jobs. Anybody that's seen the, um, the, the whiteboard that's in ops and training in any one of the units knows how busy all of the units are all the time. So if you need a break, guess what? You're, you're going to get left behind for a bit. You can catch up eventually if you catch it early enough. Right. But, uh, you can't always do that. So you were in for five I years, five years. And now what do you do? Well, uh, at the moment, my, passion project is Operation Tango Romeo, the trauma recovery podcast. Mm -hmm. So after going undiagnosed for over 20 years, and I finally had my meltdown moment. And my wife's hand landed on my shoulder. And she said, Mark, you need to talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. I went, Oh, shit, she's probably right. And um, that started the journey. And at the OSI clinic, uh, a guy bumped into me and said, 
dude, we got this peer support group. You should uh, come out. No, seriously, you should come out to this peer support group. And I was thinking, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to sing hands and, you know, yeah. or, uh, sing Kubaya and hold hands. Uh, no, not for me. Yeah. But I ended up showing up and I'm glad I did. And as it turns out, uh, it is really, really, really helpful because it helps you see yourself and, and increase your self-awareness by hearing your story through other people. When other people are saying a story that you relate to, you go, wait a second, that's me too. Yeah. Oh, that's how I am. And that's why that happens. Oh, that's why they think I'm a dick. Mm -hmm. And the self-awareness piece, everybody gets all offended if you say, dude, you got to work on your self-awareness. Fuck you. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually true. It's, almost nobody has a good level of self-awareness. They think they do, but they don't. And they think it's everybody else's being the dick, but it's actually them. Yep. You know, like in a road rage incident when you're screaming at the other guy. It's like, actually, the problem is you and how you're reacting to it. Yeah, yep. the other guy's a dick. But how you're reacting to it is actually the problem, not yep. the person being a dick. Well, isn't there's that quote, uh, was, it, was it really a bad day or was it a bad five minutes? Yeah. Right. And then is that bad five minutes rest, ruining you the rest of the day? Or like, you got to be able to, as you said, it's humility, right? You, you got to be able to look at yourself and say, I made a mistake, or this person knows more than me, or uh, any other of those types of statements. But it is pure humility to just say, okay, I need to change, or I need to get better, or I need to develop, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the biggest barriers to healing is ego. There's no, yeah. no way around it. Without that humility of going, yep, I got a problem. Yep, I am the problem. Ah, shit. Yeah. And if you can't get to that point, you can't heal. Yeah, and it usually, it usually, <clears throat> you find that point at the bottom of the barrel or at the uh, uh, under the hard place <laughs> where the rock is crushing you and you're uh, you're stuck. And that's, it is, it, and that's where peer support really shines, mm -hmm. is it helps you get there faster. You know, and it's not a bad place to be. It isn't. It's a good place to be because from there you can rebound and you can heal and you can get better. Um, so as the peer support group was was going along and people were like, hey, how do we preserve these lessons? Operation Tango Romeo was born. Um, I built it for the same reason you built your podcast so that the things that I'm learning in my healing journey, I can share with others. Because where the hell do you go? Well, you go to your podcast or you go to my podcast mm -hmm. um and the way tango romeo was built now i think we got 80 some odd uh, episodes in the hopper and you can go through the show list and pick a modality well there's this modality there's that i want to learn more about ayahuasca i want to learn more about equine therapy i want to learn more about talk therapy well i got experts from around the world that's some of the top experts actually uh pick one here you go. And, you know, why is this an injury? What are the different types of injury? Is it worse if you get it in a war zone or as a first responder? Whatever your questions are, they're covered. Yeah. You know, I, um, I found one of the best things that helped me actually get through what I needed to get through was when I was overseas, I was reading uh, the Fair Colonel Grossman's book uh, on combat <clears throat> and, you know, talking about or reading about uh, the physiological effects of stress on the body. So as I was getting into firefights, as I was looking at uh, finding IEDs and the stress was starting to build, I was recognizing my own physical, um, physiological effects from the stress as I was reading about them. And I was like, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, okay. And like just the knowledge of that allowed me to process it a little bit better. Now I'm, I still had a pretty fucked up tour. Um, and I got my own problems <laughs> that I'm still working through over the years, but that was, you know, you have to know what the problem is. That's the first step, right? Well, the biggest problem with engineers is finding pants that you can fit your balls in. Well, you know, that's, uh, that's that might be a trick. Yeah. We, <laughs> there we have a special store, you know, the kit shop in the back, we have special attachments. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole other thing, but no, we, we're, we're all a little crazy. We, we gotta be in order to, uh volunteer to handle bombs <laughs> that's uh and then we all love it too we all laugh anytime they're all like you want to blow something up we're like 
yeah yeah let's go like right now can we go can we go 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 um which i you know it's great working with us but we're also our own worst enemies because we are so used to being um <clears throat> worked a lot <laughs> to say the least the biography of an engineer it all started at the age of seven when my yeah. uncle harry bought me my first pack of fire <laughs> yeah and then exactly. yeah my crazy uncle lou got us a bag of tannerite well and my that was it my granddad was uh was an engineer in world war ii and he he didn't talk much about the war and the little stories we could glean from him were enough to kind of like that's where I want to go. And then you start reading about it and you start going, Oh man, these guys are crazy. And some of the, uh, some of the Victoria crosses that the engineers got were insane. Like a dude went to recce a bridge once and ended up uh, making an entire company of Germans retreat from a town. And he took the town basically by himself. Oh my God. And what he went to recce a bridge and he took the town by himself. So <laughs> I surrounded them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I can't remember his name, but that there's a plaque with uh in CFSME in Gagetown at the uh engineer school with his with his uh with his VC and all of his stuff. And I was just like, man, how crazy do you have to be to like I'm gonna go wreck your bridge? Okay, I'm getting shot at. <clears throat> Maybe I should either leave or you know, try to break contact or do something, maybe call up reinforcements. No. I'm going to attack and I'm going to make them think that I'm more than just me and they're going to retreat. That's, yep. That's a solid. Family, uh, I'm, I'm the only one of, of my generation or the generation prior that has served nobody else. I'm the mm -hmm. outlier until you go to my grandparents. And just the other day I asked my dad, uh, cause his dad was a world, he spent six full years in theater in world oh. war two. Uh, didn't meet my dad. You know, my dad was two. Grandpa went off to war, came back. He's got an eight-year-old son. Yeah. They go, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I asked dad, uh, I said, did, did your dad ever tell you any of the war stories? And he paused and no, actually he didn't. And um, I, I, I don't know, maybe I was being a bit of a dick, but I said, well, he told me, but only after I came back from the war. Yep. You know, uh, not when I joined. No, no, no. Well, when I came back from being in theater, I never asked. He just opened up the treasure trove and he starts telling me World War II stories. But it's because you don't, want to, tell it to, you don't want to tell it to a brick wall yeah. that, that couldn't possibly understand or relate. Well, that's the thing. Like we all know, and you can tell immediately when you meet another combat veteran, especially uh, it's pretty obvious. You walk up, shake hands, and there's a... Um, there's just a link. I, I talked to a buddy of mine, Dave Morrow, for the first time. We talked to him online and never met him. Still haven't physically met him, but immediately started talking. We started chatting. I mean, you and I just started chatting immediately without any hesitation. And probably anybody listening to this right off the bat would think that we're old friends mm -hmm. just in the way we work. And, you know, the same thing happened to me with my granddad. He, uh, I came back from Afghanistan and immediately as soon as i sat down he started we and him and i started talking and uh, yeah you get you start to get those stories you start to get the uh yeah when i was doing this uh, this this kind of shit happened and then uh we went here and we did that and i'm like yeah i know that sounds pretty similar i did something like that and boom, 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 just carries on from there years ago i was in a airport somewhere in the states and i see a young american in uniform and i i just i just knew Mm -hmm. I just knew what was about to happen. He was going on his first deployment. I walked over to him. You knew, just, you just know the look. Yep. You know, that, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell do I get myself into? And uh, <clears throat> so I went up to him and, and uh, asked him a couple of questions and confirmed, you know, what I could see. And no, we're not psychic. We just, there's a look. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I went into, you know, uncle combat veteran mode. And, um, but he was listening with respect, you know, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Uh, kind of thing. And, um, and I hope it helped. You know, I, I hope the little bit of uh, advice helped because it's a hell of a thing. You know, the first two, three weeks in country, there's a big adjustment. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I got to the desert in uh, February. So when I left Edmonton, it was minus 20, like 
and snow blowing all over the place. And then we flew the 22 hours, whatever, to get to the sandbox and showed up there and it was plus 30. <laughs> we're like, oh fuck, this is gonna be this is gonna be a rough one. But uh, you know, <clears throat> one of the things that I want to talk to you specifically about is podcasting because it is a it is such a fantastic medium to get stuff across. But I think we we touched on the 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 keynote here being talking, right? Just being able to speak about your experience, speak about either the trauma or whether it's in peer support, whether it's around people, your brothers having beers, whether it's with your granddad who all of a sudden can now open up to you because you, uh, you're a combat vet. You know, it is a, it is a alleviating feeling to be able to actually speak to somebody and have them know what you're talking about. And I think podcasting especially is fantastic for this because you and I can chat but 30, 40, 50,000, 100 million, whatever people can listen to it who have been there and go, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. So what, what led you into podcasting in terms well, of the medium? It was the sense of, um, with our peer support group, wanting to scale it. Mm -hmm. At first, it was just uh, to sort of record the lessons for the members of our peer support group. But I thought, well, you know, this, this is a global this way. And I'll back up a bit. The peer support group would, would get together for two hours every two weeks. People would drive to Calgary from three hours away in each direction. They would drive mm -hmm. in from Medicine Hat. They drive in from British Columbia. And they would do it with a smile on their face, looking forward to it. Um, because that peer support group was such a huge part of their healing. Because when they'd get there, we'd have Mounties in there as well as um, uh, soldiers. But it's the only place where you feel like, oh, I'm safe and comfortable here. Like, I'm not a freak. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not weak. I'm not, there's not something wrong with me. Well, there is something wrong with me, but it's, it's natural. Yeah. <laughs> there's lots, lots of people in the same boat. And the reason that um, a peer support for, PTSD, OSI injured uh, veterans is so critical is that we are so douchey to each other. Yeah. You know, we, we, we want to be good supporters to each other, but how do you support somebody when you don't understand the injury yourself? You know, you could be injured yourself, but not even realize that you're injured. And, and then you go into advice giving mode mm. and it's well-intentioned. It's good hearted, but you're an idiot. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And people don't know how to listen. They, they don't have those skills. They weren't taught those skills. And, uh, and they don't know any better. So you figure that out pretty quick as a veteran, once you're out, that, oh, I can't talk to the guys I served with. I can't talk to people that are current serving. Ooh, I'm, I'm all alone. I'm isolated. This sucks. And I don't like talking to the civvy therapist because, well, because it's a civvy therapist, <laughs> you know? Yep. So now you've got nothing. And people, when they find a veteran peer support group, it's so relaxing. You can swear and curse and, <laughs> and relax and be yourself and tell the most horrible jokes. And, uh, and it's okay. Everybody else is laughing with you instead of being horrified like, um, <laughs> like most others, you know? What the heck is wrong with you? I'm a veteran. This is how we talk. And it's yeah. funny. Don't you know funny? This is funny. Mm -hmm. But um, when you get the proper peer support, and it's proper because everybody respects each other and nobody judges, no matter what comes out of their mouth. Like you might go, whoa. <laughs> but, 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 but you don't judge because yep. we, we, we've all got our journeys and we've all got our stories. And it's just a safe, place to be and so i thought okay operation tango romeo now it's that same veteran or that same voice rather is is available around the world 30 some odd countries and um i got letters from england from australia from ireland from uh i got listeners in the kingdom of Brunei, for God's sakes. Nice. They're all over the place. Finland. 
And it's all people talking the same language because a veteran's a veteran's a veteran. Yeah. If, you, if you've been in country, um, and, and even if you haven't, you know, and it, actually I feel so bad for all the veterans who are injured and haven't been deployed because they just don't get the love of, of those that have been deployed. Yeah. You could absolutely 100% um, be injured with an OSI without ever being dis, uh, deployed. Just spoke with a brother yesterday. Um, and I was there when he was injured. It was on a training X, mm-hmm. but there, and it was just a can of beans in the fire. Uh, I know we don't normally have fires, but it was uh, up in the Yukon and we're commiserating with the locals and we were allowed to have a fire for like the first time ever. Yeah. And uh, some dickhead threw in a can of beans and it exploded and, uh, uh, and bean shrapnel got him in the face and took out his eye. Um, now his eye did survive, but he had the patch for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Now, the reason that was so traumatic for him is that my brothers did this to me. Yeah. The ones that are supposed to have my fucking back, my one of my brothers did this. It's that betrayal. Yeah. And that caused an OSI from that from a can of beans. So you, you can never uh dismiss something just because uh a, a, a thousand pound bomb wasn't involved. You know, a can of beans can do the same damage as a landmine as far as uh, the, the scars that it, that it leaves. And another guy in that exact same X actually uh, got all drunked up and ended up having half his mustache uh, shaved off and one eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, right? Yeah. But, um, uh, but the sense of betrayal that he felt um, just freaking wrecked him and that yep. actually had a bigger effect on him than his two tours of duty um him and i talked uh, later and i gave him some more perspective of because i remember why they did that it wasn't just because the opportunity was there uh, yeah. there was a reason and when i explained that reason to him he went oh yeah right. okay you know what maybe 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 i had that cupboard just a little bit yeah <laughs> it's like this is the way they're communicating with you <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say I, I can't imagine anybody doing that well i can imagine a lot of people doing that joke for fun but normally on x that would be done for a reason <laughs> it's done for a reason yeah, yeah. oh man the, you know the it's not even just um you know, traumatic instances, whether your brothers did it to you or that's one for sure. I mean, there's a lot of um, female members that have trauma based on how they were treated throughout their time while they were in, right? There's still a lot of issues, um, sexual harassment and all these things, um, which is horrible and shouldn't happen, but it does. And so there's that kind of trauma. There's sanctuary trauma where you think, um, you know, you think you're going to go and get help from somebody and say, Hey man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well. And they just go, well, fuck me. You're a bitch. Right. And so you're now, <clears throat> you go from having wanting to get help and then having it thrown in your face and then you don't get help and then you keep working harder and then it makes even worse. So there's all kinds of, we had a guy get struck by lightning. Jesus. Just like, out, uh, well, he didn't get directly hit by lightning. The tent he was in, the mod tent he was in got struck by lightning and he was standing at a computer. So it went through the tent into the metal poles, through the metal poles into the electrical box that was attached to it, through the electrical line into the computer and then into him. And, uh, but yeah, just like random out of middle of nowhere on X, we get the, the no duff, no duff. Oh my God, we got to do something. And then we start hearing reports and it's like, yeah, you know, tent got struck by lightning, three guys injured, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, no one would ever think that that would be an issue. I got thrown out of a T-Lev <clears throat> sideways. Uh, and I remember sitting, I was sitting, standing in the family hatch. And then I got, we did a sharp, hard turn, like uh, almost 90 degrees. And I got thrown out the side and I was, hanging over the side of the T-Lab. I had two guys hanging onto my feet and my face was staring as the tracks were just like, Oh Jesus. Right out of an Indiana Jones movie. Oh yeah. And I was just, I'm like, Oh fuck. And I'm like trying to pull myself up and I'm, I got my nine on me and it was, it was crazy, but crazy shit happens. Right. And it's the army. It's a dangerous job. 
training, you know, things happen and you don't need a war to be traumatized based off of what happens. I almost got cut in half by a lav turret. Like there's a lot of shit that's happened to me, but <laughs> we don't need to get into that one. The, um, the, the point though, is like, you still have to be able to open up. You still have to talk about it. And every, you know, people whine and complain and like, ah, I'm not going to go talk to some shrink. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. And it's like, man, if you had a fucked up car, you take it to a mechanic, right? Like if all of a sudden you had this weird noise and you couldn't figure out what it was, you would take it to a mechanic. If your computer stopped working, you take it into the geek squad or the friggin' whatever computer place you go to, right? Like it is the, the greatest thing I've ever heard was somebody called it a brain mechanic. And I was like, yeah, that's what a psychologist is. It's a brain mechanic. They're going to look at something, see what the issue is. And then they're going to work on that. And then they're going to see if that worked. If that didn't work, they're going to work on something else and they're going to see if it worked. Exact same thing. And but there's I, even there's <clears throat> coaching. There's people that do trauma recovery coaching. Yeah, absolutely. PTSD coaching. Uh, I've hung out my shingle as it, but I'm not uh, looking for, for clients. If one knocks on my door, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. But yeah. um, coaching is different. It's not therapy, but it can be as good or better. It's about the individual. Yeah. And it's about how comfortable somebody feels. Um, I just published uh, uh, today, Richard Pikarczyk Vaca. He was an engineer like you. So, mm -hmm. you know, a little, little screwy, little screws loose. And uh, he's turned psychotherapist. So from psycho to psychotherapist. Not bad. Yeah, seems reasonable. Yeah. Seems reasonable. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> a lot of people, if they're going to reach out for help, they'd feel a lot better talking to a guy that was an army engineer. Yeah. Um, you know, knows a little bit something about uh, diffusing bombs. Like, oh, hey, I could relate to this guy. Oh, and you're a psychotherapist. Cool. So. All it takes is a little bit of the, the knowledge, right? And the, the ability to be comfortable. So yeah. like when I first got out and I started working on um, myself, which took a while, I think it was, I think it was like two years before I was really like thinking that I wasn't, that there was an actual problem with me <laughs> where I needed to fix it. Um, and I was seeing a, a doc at the OSI clinic here at Edmonton and it was horrible. Like I, I went, I dreaded going there every week. I would get there. I would leave fucking more agitated. I'd be agitated for two or three days. I'd have one day where I'd be kind of like down and be like, okay, I, I can, I can deal. And then I'd realize that I got two more days until I got to go back to see this guy. And then I would be ramped up from there. And so for a year, it just got worse. And then, you know, during that, I saw a psych, uh, psychiatrist and she recommended drugs here, try these drugs, try these drugs. I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to do drugs. I just want something different than this. And, uh, it was a buddy of mine that told me, you know, you can go anywhere. Right. And I was like, what? You mean, I don't need to go here. And they're like, yeah, you can just find somebody online. And if they're covered, you know, they got blue cross coverage, they're good to go. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Sweet. So on that, let me chime in. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the episode just got published today, Richard Pikarczyk Vaca. And if you go a few episodes before that, um, Matthew Miller. Now, Matthew never served, but he shows up at our peer support groups. Um, uh, he's as good as the civvy can get it, he gets it. And I've gone to him for couples counseling and uh, dude's got his shit wired tight. Mm -hmm. Like he, you can feel comfortable going there and you will actually make progress with uh, Matthew Miller. Miller. And again, Richard Pikarczyk Vec is awesome too. And they're all the shrinks are doing it by Zoom nowadays. Yep. So yeah, mine does matter, too. Doesn't matter where you are. Yep. Which is fantastic. And <clears throat> what I was gonna say was this new doc that I went to see, she was my age. She spoke to me directly. She didn't um she didn't agree with everything I said. She just and she would challenge me on it. She would like she would just throw it in my face. Be like, no, that you know, you can't um you can't think like that. I'd be like, well, why the fuck not? And she'd explain it. And I'd be like, oh, well, I guess that, that makes sense. Um, and I mean, I've talked about her on <clears throat> many other podcasts now, but uh, it was through that, through being challenged, through actually being comfortable enough that if I said something stupid, she would tell me it was stupid, that I was able to talk with her. And then I saw progress and I started doing equine therapy, which is fantastic. And I saw, I don't remember what episode it was, but I saw you have... Um, an episode on equine therapy as well um but <clears throat> there's something out there for everybody right you just have to be able to find the right thing you have to be open enough to actually look 
right and try stuff because we tried you know cbt that didn't work for me uh we tried uh emdr that that helped and then we got out to the horses and that was like i saw leaps and bounds as soon as i started working with horses yeah i haven't tried it yet but i've been hearing great things it is amazing it i'm a country boy so like i grew up uh on a ranch and all over southern southern alberta and it it made perfect sense to go sit out and talk with horses (laughs) that makes perfect sense to me um but Horses are, um, uh, they're really sensitive to <clears throat> the physiological changes in your body, which, and naturally they have to be their prey animal, right? So we're a predator, they're a prey animal, and we have to be able to engage with them. And the, the best way I ever heard this described was like, how calm do you have to be to, as a predator, walk up to prey animal and say, hey, I'm going to get on your back, which is the most vulnerable area of your body. And before I do that, I'm going to strap a piece of another dead animal on top of you. (laughs) And then I'm going to sit on your back. Like the level of relaxation that you have to have for that to work is a point of mindfulness that most people don't ever get to. Right. And that's why learning how to ride a horse is actually really challenging because you have to be so relaxed to be able to let an animal do something. And basically it's kind of like raising kids, right? You have to guide, but you can't really tell a horse what to do, right? Like if I, if I just grab the reins and I start yanking on him, the horse is going to be like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And he like, he won't do what I want him to. There's an old saying, the horse knows who's riding him. Exactly. A hundred percent. And that's why, you know, and it also works really well for, um, for vets, especially because, how we lived in Afghanistan, especially we were prey animals. Like if we were fighting the enemy, that's one thing, right? We're engaging the enemy. Boom, 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 boom. That's good. We are direct. We're predators at that point. We're going to go fuck some shit up. But every other point in time, when we're driving around the country, when we're sitting in our base, when we're trying to help out the locals, we're expecting to be attacked. So we have to live as prey animals, which is why we have a lot of, trauma issues and we, you know, we're um, meant to be aggressive and it's very hard to be aggressive when all you're doing is waiting to be blown up. So there's a, like we said earlier, there's an attachment between vets, right? You got guys who've been there, you, there's an immediate attachment, same thing with the horses. Like you get out there and you will immediately sense that they know exactly what's happening. So, I mean, I could talk about horses all day, but we can, uh, we can get into that another point in time. <laughs> um, the other point that I wanted to make, especially about um, podcasting uh, and the, the, the vocal, the actual or the oral tradition, what it comes from, you know what I mean? Like back in the day, you'd have this massive battle and you'd have these, uh, uh, you'd have at the end of the day, everything would stop and it'd be nighttime. Okay, everybody, let's go back to camp. We're going to rack out and we'll start this shit all over again. And there'd be the campfires and the old grizzled sergeant who'd be there just fucking hanging out and some random private would be like, man, I saw somebody's head just fucking explode. I hit him with an ax and just, and he was like, oh yeah, that happened to me. You know, (laughs) battle of fucking whatever. And it was those discussions. It was those, the original peer support right around the fire, the oral tradition of stories. And uh, I heard about this great, like the story of Beowulf in general is um, it's a warrior's tale, right? And you're talking about this, crazy fucking special forces dude that went around and did some crazy shit cool but that oral tradition is there and i think this especially kind of recreates it just a little bit the fireplace is now the internet <laughs> well the, and not everybody has the ability to be the storyteller yeah. and uh matter of fact the storyteller used to be a job in in different military units mm-hmm. you know uh like vikings or whatever this is Sven, the storyteller. You know, I don't know what accent that was supposed to be. But, uh, <laughs> it was something. It was something. But, yeah. Um, and they, they, because of the oral tradition. So for those of us that do have the ability to orally communicate, here's a podcast. And people appreciate it. If you have the ability to uh, to be a good storyteller, it's a great way to share that so that others can participate. But what's even more rare is the ability to be a good listener, which is far more 
important as a podcast host, uh, the ability to truly listen and to ask decent questions that matter, to do a bit of digging. Mm-hmm. That's because um, with the better the questions, the better the answers and the better the conversation. And then the better the, uh, the episode is for, for the listeners. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the, the major questions actually I was going to ask you was just about that was, <clears throat> what are some of the, like, for me, when I got started doing tools for the toolbox, I, you know, I was playing around with stuff and I needed, I find having a, a linear plan again, I'm an engineer, right? I like plans. <laughs> I'm, uh, it helped me a lot. So when I, I, you know, I write it all out beforehand, these are the questions I'm going to ask. These are the talking points I'm going to hit, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> but the, the tool that I really found helpful was listening to other podcasts because then I could, you know, pick out, Oh, you know, I like the way he talks and I like the way that guy asks questions. And I, I love how he segued into this next sequence and blah, 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 blah. What were some of the tools that helped you find that voice, find that, uh, that conversation piece? A lot of it was practice and finding out the hard way and listening to my own episodes going, Ooh, that's been better. <laughs> or, or God doubt. Why didn't I ask a good question there? Or, Oh, I missed, I missed this or I missed that. So it was a lot of trial by error and trial by fire. Mm-hmm. Um, but how I do it now, I don't do a ton of research, I, but I do enough to know who I'm talking to and have a good intro, a good clean intro and a good first question. If you can do that, then away you go. And uh, then I have just um, basic uh, topics that I want to cover. It'd be like two or three and that can go for an hour. Like I, I never have more than four questions written out. Yep. Um, but each question, you can explore the depth of that question. The uh, who, what, where, why, when, and how of each topic. And three or four is more than enough to cover an hour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, with good conversation, absolutely. I mean, it. Uh, <clears throat> I have about, yeah, I think I, I go to five talking points. And if I hit them all, cool. If not, cool like it, it's based on the I, again i prefer the the really clean conversation and i think we we pass on a lot more points than we realize we're passing on just in speaking about it and just having that great conversation i mean that's the whole reason i started the tool uh, tools for the toolbox was the fact that i was sitting around talking with my boys around beer and we kept coming up with these great uh different tools and this guy did this and this guy did the other thing and blah blah blah, blah. uh it allowed us to but there was no pressure. There was no like, oh, God, I got to ask another question. And then I got to find out what does he do? And what does this guy do? And but, right, it's just shooting the shit, telling stories. There's more than one way to skin the cat. If you listen to uh, a friend of mine has a spectacular podcast and it's extremely well produced called the Sales, Reinvest- Sales Reinvented Podcast with mm. Paul Watts. But listen to that one just as a template. He asks the same five questions every episode. He's got 230 episodes, something like that. And it sounds like a you don't realize he's asking the same five questions every time because the results are different every time. But he, because of that, he keeps it to an 18 four, uh, minute format. He keeps it tight. Um, the guests get those questions ahead of time because they're the same questions. So it's pretty easy. Mm-hmm. And he has a very specific mission and vision for the podcast. Because of that, it's easy to stay on target and to have five canned questions. Yeah. But, it works and it's one of the like he it's one of the top sales podcasts in the world it's just awesome. fantastic um but there's there's more than one road to rome i guess yeah. is the point of that absolutely what um i mean you've been podcast, podcasting for a while now and uh especially trauma recovery this is a it's a challenging subject right like this is not something easy for a lot of people to talk about it's not something easy to Think about there are some pretty dark topics that you know you, you need to get into and you need to discuss. One of the the interesting things uh, that I found for myself was when <clears throat> discussing dark topics, discuss getting into those things. What I would do is initially I was <clears throat> very put off by it. Right, it just I it was very hard to talk about. I couldn't keep a sequential thought going, and I got kind of annoyed and I wouldn't do it. Uh, and then 
think it was my wife that actually told me, she's like, you know, this isn't for you. This isn't for your guys. Think about it for your son. And I was like, okay. It's like in 20 years and 25 years, 30 years, he's going to go, you know, I wonder why my dad did all this. I wonder why, where this got started, what all this was, you know, why was he like this? As any kid growing up with a, with a veteran parent is going to, they're going to ask questions, right? They want to know what war is. They want to know what soldiering is, blah, blah, blah. And so now I started doing that. I started thinking about, you know, what I want to tell my son when he's older and can actually understand these things, why I was like this or uh, why we went through the issues that we did, et cetera, et cetera. Do you have anything that helped you get through those dark topics, getting through talking about those things to help? Practice and peer support. Yeah. Um, when you have the courage and it does take courage to tell your story the first time, whether it be on a podcast or um, in a, in a peer support group, when you can vocalize it, it empowers you and it takes the power away from that traumatic thing. Uh, there's something like I just said in an interview, I was interviewed on the funky brain podcast the other day and I threw, threw in there, dropped the bomb that I was uh, molested as a child from the age of seven to 12. Well, that is something I didn't even admit to anybody out loud until I was about 47 years old. You know, that's been, that's a long time to keep that in a can. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but why would I, I didn't do anything wrong. Why would I be embarrassed or ashamed of that? It's a fucking fact and it affected my life significantly. So, and I still don't know how to feel about it, but if I don't say it out loud, then it's a dirty little secret and it's everybody else's dirty little secret that it's happened to. And it's happened to all hell of a lot of people. And uh, so being able to say, yeah, I was molested from the age of seven to the age of 12 by an older family member. And, uh, and it ain't cool. Oh, okay. Now somebody else goes, oh, oh my God, me too. And somebody else just said it like, like it's matter of fact. So God damn, maybe I can reach out and, and talk to somebody about that too. Maybe I don't have to be ashamed of it because if he doesn't treat it like a dirty little secret, then maybe I don't have to treat it like a dirty little secret. And it's uh, no different than with PTSD. A cop friend of mine, we're at the dog park and he knows because of social media, the stuff I've been doing with Tango Romeo and he says really quietly, hey, I, I've been having some issues too. <laughs> I said, hey, why are you whispering? <laughs> <laughs> That's well, fantastic. I'm wearing a shirt right now, and it says... Cover out loud. Boom. We cover out loud. Because that is one of the most fantastic gifts that you can give to somebody else. It's not about being a victim. Oh, look at me. I'm an injured veteran. That's not what it is at all. It's hey, look at me, I'm injured and I'm recovering. Mm -hmm. I found, I'm finding a way, I'm on a path to, to recovery and I'm not ashamed of it. That's the only way to get rid of any stigma is to talk about it. And yeah, the first bit ain't easy. Um, Theo Fleury, when he was doing his, uh, started a speaking gig, he would, he would say uh, sexual exploitation and, and use these different uh, terms that were really euphemistic. And now he just says it. I yeah. was raped 150 times. Yeah. And uh, when I talked to him about that, I, I pointed that out. He goes, yeah, because you have to, you know, it wasn't, wasn't easy. It took me a few years of being on the speaking yeah. uh, before I could just say, call it what it is, but it empowers you. It gives you the strength and takes the power away from the injury. Yeah. Just call it, it what it is, baby. It normalization is such a such a key uh, key asset in anything. You know, I I think as ever since I started talking about uh, my own trauma and my own uh, issues and uh, you know making videos and producing stuff for people, it every it becomes much easier. As you, like as you just said, it normalizes it, right? And you know, we do this for a lot of things and yet people don't realize that uh, I was just thinking um, my my son my youngest right now is potty training and he's doing really well 
but he still can't drop a deuce in the toilet on command, right? And it's a tricky thing, right? But so he'll... He's dead! <laughs> That's a great... I'm going to use that, actually. That'll be awesome. Uh, he'll laugh his ass off, which will be perfect. Quick left. Quick. Quick. Poop. Poop. Yeah, that's a, a, I'm going to start calling drill. I like that. Um, but, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll hold it all night and then he'll go to sleep and his body will relax and he'll drop a deuce in his, uh, in his pull-up. And cool, you know, Amber and I are exhausted and we, we can't think properly and we're like, oh God, okay, let's just go clean some fucking another butthole is going to be great but we never put it on him right we don't go oh why did you do that that's not good blah 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 we're like okay yep cool man it happens people you know you're it's it's hard you're working you're trying cool let's just move on we'll get some sleep and we'll, and we'll go from there and it calms him down that much faster right because he feels bad that he did it because he knows he's not he knows that he's not supposed to but it happens it's the same thing with trauma right? If you are totally normalized about it, if you can sit around and talk with others about it in a normal tone of voice, not hushed tones, not, you know, oh my God, what is this going to, what is this person going to think? What is that going to person think? It's just, yeah, I have post-traumatic stress disorder. I, you know, I have bad days. I have depression. I have um, anxiety. Cool. Right. And like you said, people all of a sudden go, I have depression too. I was depressed for many years. I still am like, <clears throat> it is, and as I said earlier, you know, all you have to do is start. And yes, it is very difficult to start. But again, what I tell my sons all the time is everything is hard until you do it enough times that it becomes easy. And we're not always wearing that mask. I mean, you did a piece in the mask and I had you listen to the mm -hmm. piece that I produced on, uh, on the mask. Which was fantastic. Thank you. And, um, it, it's dark as fuck, but, uh, I'm not there all the time, no. <laughs> but I do acknowledge that I am there some of the time. And, uh, and there were places where I was there for weeks, months on end and that's yep. ass. Um, but I'm enjoying right now. I've had a good few weeks and, uh, I told my wife just yesterday, like, I'm, I'm a little bit scared. You know, why? Cause I've been good for a few weeks and yep. that's weird. And, um, but it's weird because I know the other side is going to come at some point and I'm going to get hit. Uh, I'm going to get hit by that wrecking ball. But when it happens, I'll, I'll kind of chuckle about it. Yeah. Like, okay, here we go. <laughs> Buckle up. We're going to go with this ride again. Yep. Uh, Down the hill we go. <laughs> you know, that's what tools of the toolbox is about. How do I, I'm going to get hit by that wrecking ball, but how do I uh, not get hit as hard? And how do I not stay in the holes for as long? Yeah. How do we get myself out of that hole as fast as possible? You know, one of the things that I, I, I really fall back on a lot of my training. So a lot of the really core concepts that we got taught in the military are effective in terms of um, dealing with trauma, which is quite amazing because you think, what's, what is the, um, what's the SOP for ambush? Attack. Attack, right? If you, if you all of a sudden get hit with something, go on the attack. The armor guy thinks it's uh, uh, duck duck yeah <laughs> get back in the hole uh they know it's not no, duck. no no it's not duck that's definitely not the right answer <laughs> no, <laughs> no you get attacked you counter that attack with 10 times the aggression exactly and i looked at it in the same way of trauma right if i'm <clears throat> if i start going through a depressive episode and i start <clears throat> i start you know sliding down that hill the the one thing i need to do is like i gotta hit it and i gotta hit it with all the tools i have as quickly as possible and just hammer that depression. So, you know, I go back into my non-negotiables and I got to, I got to make sure I hit the gym and I got to make sure I hit the shower and I got to make sure that I have all these key things I can hit so that that depression doesn't last, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not going to kick my ass every day. It might do it most days, but there's going to be days that I can fight back and there's days that I can work on it. Um, so a lot of the stuff that I deal with personally, I try to liken it to training, right? We can just, there's so much we know. And one of the tools, uh, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it to you, but 71, episode 71, uh, give, her, give her a listen. It is a tool that the toughest part when you are hit by depression, you don't want to move, but you have to move. You have to get your body moving to beat it, but that's the one thing you don't want to do. You want to crawl in bed. Mm -hmm. So there's 
there's another way to get enough juice to get to the gym. It's, um, it's an app on your phone and it might sound stupid, but it's not. It's called Entrainment Therapy and it's MMS Medical Solutions. The link uh, to get your app, it's a free seven day trial, is on, on episode 71. It's in the show notes. It's mm-hmm. a link, try it for free and away you go. And for veterans, I think it's only five bucks a month after that and 10 bucks a month for the rest of the world. Uh, but shit, that's some cheap therapy, but it yeah. works. I got, um, you used the term no duff earlier. There's Dean no duff Owen, um, a veteran advocate in the UK. And like me suffers from nightmares freaking incessantly. Um, he said, what is this magic voodoo? What the hell? <laughs> uh, he's been using the app and it works. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Put it online. The, the ability to just uh, have a tool work for like the first couple of times, you're like, fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> it, it's mind blowing. It, it feels like magic all of a sudden that, you know, um, the, the, the challenges that we face, especially dealing with trauma in general, you know, are added on to the fact that we're used to being competent. We're used to being the guys to get shit done, right? That's usually the, the mindset of most military people. And to then have to say, I can't work today, right? I just, I can't do it. That That's a very, very hard thing to say. But there yeah, are days that you have to, right? You, you still have to. There's still work that needs to be done. You still, and it helps to get up and get stuff done. But you have to be able to take time and say, no, 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 no. I need today or I well, need 20 so, minutes. Some of the things in the military that has been figured out for a very, very long time, whether it be by accident uh, or whether it be by you're you know, making penicillin by accident, but there are some very, very good parts of the military that if you revert back to them, you will find good for your mental health. Mm-hmm. Like put happy faces on your socks, roll your socks up, uh, basic training way, yeah. you know, battle school uh, style, sort out your, your sock drawer, take the time because it's mindfulness. You're slowing down to do this um, uh, task and it's helpful. So, Roll up all your socks army style yep. in your sock drawer. I, I do it in spurts. <laughs> My sock drawer doesn't look like that right now, but it will yep. be by the end of the day, I think. I want to get back up there. Polish some shoes. Yeah, It's an incredibly mindful, therapeutic, calming uh, thing to do. I, I did, uh, I, call, I call it mechanical, anything mechanical. So I, I strip and assemble my rifles, strip, clean, assemble. And it, it's like your brain turns off, right? You're just going to start working and you're going to do it. And you're going to start looking at the really fine, fine details. And you're, and as you said, it's mindfulness. That is a hundred percent what it is. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing. The tools, like we, like we said that we had, and we just kind of toss them out the window when you're out of the army, you're like, Oh, well, I'm never going to use it for PT in the morning, which oh, Air Force yeah. guys don't know what that means, but yeah. If you weren't in the Air Force, if you're, <laughs> if you're on an army base, especially um, uh, a Patricia base or, or a royal base, mm-hmm. or, uh, the mm. uh, well, you're still going to see people running around in the morning. They're just going to be running away from things rather than towards them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Je suis désolé, mon yeah. frère. Yeah. The bad news are awesome. That, that, anyway, but yeah, you're right. PT is such a, it's, it's such an important thing. And these things are, they're, they're just there and we're used to them. And yet, you know, a lot of us get out of the military and we're just like, fuck that. I'm not doing that shit anymore. Right. Who needs to fold their shirts four by eight? No one, but <laughs> it does help. And then also having nice. it done, just the having it done is another little check in the box, right? Admiral McRaven wrote a whole book about it. Make your fucking bed, make your bed in the morning. Another one. And I heard uh, Bob Proctor talking about it. One of the self-help gurus, but um, if you're feeling cluttered and stuck and you just can't, uh, you just don't know where to start, start in your garage and sort out your garage. Clean it, clean it out. Clutter is a brain killer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, physical clutter in your house or even in your garage, even though you don't see it, having it there shuts you down. Yep. Get your garage organized. If you have tools, organize them. The more organized uh, these things are, the less thing, um, uh, things your brain has to keep track of. 
because you know where it is. You don't have to think, okay, the half inch socket is on that end of the garage uh, beside that bucket. Mm-hmm. And my, uh, my, my half inch ratchet is uh, over there by the other bucket in the other corner of the garage. Um, that's a lot of data that you got to keep track of. Stop it. Organize it all. Take, get that. Um, it's like defragging your hard drive. Yeah. You know, instead of having stuff all over the damn place, consolidate it, organize it. And uh, something like organizing your, your everything, <laughs> keep things minimalist, get rid of clutter. That does so much for your mental health. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, you know, I, I like to do this. I grew up doing this. Uh, and my house gets really dirty. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to clean. My parents did this all the time where <laughs> it was like a day or a day and a half and we would clean the house top to bottom right and everything would have a place and everything would get there and we'd be able to you know get rid of some of the shit we don't use and we can actually do it without emotionally stumbling upon it and being like oh man i remember this uh, i i have a use for this later and then it adds to the clutter right but when you're just in that mindset you're like i'm gonna fucking clean this place out it's fantastic right you you have a mission i need to clean the garage boom first thing that most military guys right I have a mission. I'm going to clean that garage. And then you start. And this is the other tool that the military taught us. Break it down, right? You don't look at the whole garage and go, oh, fuck, I can't do this whole garage by myself. This isn't going to happen. No, you, you start. Relevant. Exactly. One piece at a time. You just section it up. Okay, I'm going to start here. I'm going to fix my tool wall. Once that tool wall is done, you won't even realize it. You'll be moving on to the next section and then you'll fix that. And it'll be like, okay, well, if I got to do this, like I'm going to do this first and then you jump into that thing and um it again it's those tools those uh things we have are all given to us in the military we just have to learn how to you know shift them how do i use it in on this particular issue and you know going back to to podcasting with this is this is how it this is how it begins right this is when i was an instructor this is how i teach people i say this is what we're going to do i'm going to show you how to do it Boom, show you, boom, this is it. Now you do it. And I watch. Okay, yeah, good to go. All right, move on to the next thing. This is what we're doing. We're just teaching that next generation. And I always loved uh, the one thing I don't get with podcasting um, as much is the aha moment, is what I called it. And you know, when you have a recruit and he he actually grasps a concept, (laughs) yeah, and you can see it in their eyes, you're like, boom, he's got it. Perfect. Um, but that's what I'm hoping I can give people, right? That's what I'm hoping that, you know, I share stuff of yours, I share stuff of other people's and I try to make sure like, here it is. The, the, the information is right here, but I can't make anybody do it. No. Right. I, I just have to give them the tool. Here you go, man. How do you, you, how do you make it work? Um, you know, well, yes, been... I sure appreciate you having me on today. Oh brother. man, this is fantastic. I we're just a little bit over an hour here and, um, this has just been a great conversation. I, I can't thank you enough for being on here. The Do you have any um, final points before we kick this off? Uh, no, sir. Actually, I don't. Other than tune in to Operation Tango Romeo, the <laughs> recovery podcast on well, all your favorite podcast platforms. Nice. That was a, that was a good hit, man. Um, <laughs> for, so the, for those that don't know you, where can they find you and your uh, your fantastic podcast and your social media on all your favorite podcast platforms uh, spotify apple google podcasts um anchor.fm is where the primary upload point yeah. and if you just google operation tango romeo there's so many platforms it's silly right. um, but there's a facebook page there's a linkedin page um really really easy to find and actually probably the easiest is operation trauma recovery.org that's operation trauma recovery.org and from there you can pick your platform and that's the main website where you can read a bit um, about what we do read some testimonials from people that have found great relief there's even words like you saved my life which i don't believe but that's what people are saying and uh so it's pretty cool that's fantastic man i'm again thank you so much for being on here uh i can't wait to to have you on again at some point because i think there's a lot more that you and i could talk about roger that that concludes this episode of the toolbox i want to thank you for listening i hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered 
I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo. Chimo.